The Brandon Peters Show may contain explicit language and detailed plot points. For more information on the show, stay tuned to the end of the episode. Here he is, Brandon. Welcome. You are now resuming the Brandon Peters Show's farewell DCEU retrospective already in progress. This is part three, including discussions on Wonder Woman 1984, Zack Snyder's Justice League, The Suicide Squad, and the Mac series Peacemaker uh, with me for all of those... We have from Puck and the Outside Scoop coming on inside to the show, Scott Middleson. Always a pleasure. Thank you for having me back, as usual. Yep. And hopping on and joining us today for part three, we have from the Normies and a veteran of the Brandon Peters Show live, it is Chris Johnson. Hello. How's everybody doing out there in Brandon Peters land? How's it going? (laughs) Hello. How are you doing? Oh, pretty good. You know, having one of those cold Midwestern nights. Oh, yeah. It is cold here, Scott. It is really cold here today. And it's weirdly cold over the weekend, the holiday weekend. And for as long as I've, you know, my wife has always made fun of me whenever it's cold. It's like, you grew up in Ohio. You should be used to the cold. That doesn't mean (laughs) I don't like it. It changes when you move out there and come back. Like it is. Yeah. Yeah. Never get used to it after you get used to the nice mild winters and that that <laughs> splintering pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, today was like, oh wow, already okay. Here we go. Um, so awesome. So Chris, you are a part of the normies. Have have you yes. done any watchings for any of these? Before? Yes. <clears throat> so uh, the channel right now is doing Peacemaker. I'm not watching it with them because I watched it when it came out. But we did oh, okay. the Justice League back in 2020 during one of our famous quarantine reactions where we essentially built a makeshift-esque movie theater with a projector and a bunch of uh, uh, curtains in between so we could all watch the same movie without being on top of each other. Wonder Woman, we did a skit about, but I don't think we have a video of us watching it. And then The Suicide Squad, we also watched. Awesome. So if you can see if Chris flip-flopped, stayed the same, made the same comments... You can go yep. check it out. Normies on YouTube. People are allowed you. to change their mind. <laughs> they are. They are. They are. So, anyways, uh, before we get into this, uh, what are your thoughts on like DC, like the characters of what it, what has it been to you growing up? If it has been anything to you, or your thoughts on just the comics, the characters, and the movies up to this point before the DCEU. So I saw, uh, you know, the OG Batman. Uh, back in the day came out. I remember the Happy Meals toy. I was there for all that. Then uh, the Dark Knight was on Cartoon Network or whichever network it was on. It was the beautiful one with uh, Kevin Conroy doing the voice of Mark Hamill. Oh, the animated series. Yeah, okay. animated okay, series. Okay. Yeah, man. My bad. Uh, Batman, the animated series. That one was like my solidification into Batman into like the DC world. And then they had that Superman one that came out that was in the same vein. And then they did Justice League. And that was like my intro to the Justice League and to all of that. And so growing up, that's all I really knew of DC. And then I watched like Mask of the Phantasm and Under the Red Hood in like the early Netflix days because it was on there or it was on one of the streaming sites. And everyone's like, you got to watch it. Uh, Batman Beyond. And 
uh, Static Shock was a part of the DC <laughs> universe, and I found out that whale like after watching it. I just thought it was a show on Four Kids Network or whatever. But yeah, so a lot of the cartoons, not a lot of the movies, none of the comic books. Gotcha. And uh, thoughts on this DCEU era? Ooh, uh, some good stuff for sure. <laughs> a lot of weird misses, but misses in weird ways that don't quite make sense. But uh, I liked Aquaman, weirdly enough. Yep. I think Shazam was good. Like when they kind of started getting out of the Zack Snyder, muddy, super gritty type stuff, I was like, okay, now that's that's interesting. Where are we going? Wonder Woman? The first one? <laughs> It was a good movie. Yeah. No, this you're right on point with where we've been this whole time. It was like once it was like after that first somewhere the, the odd one in the middle there is that that Justice League theatrical because they went wonder if you take that out it's like Wonder Woman, Aquaman, yeah. uh Shazam, Birds of Prey and we're all Birds like, "Oh, Prey. yeah." We're like, "Yeah, they're doing they're doing it. They they're 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 finding their like, footing. Everything's going to be okay. Everything's right? going to be great, right? We're all They don't have to be Marvel. They could be their own thing. And even the Suicide Squad and then and then other <laughs> stuff happens to them and they yeah. Yeah, it happens. Who so, owns Warner Brothers this week? Who knows? That girl movie, get that out of here. It's done now. Nah, just delete. Hold on. <laughs> Speaking of Oh, well, God. one wish that will not be renounced on this episode is for Sc- Scott and I to see Batgirl to include it with this oh. retrospective. So if you are someone listening and you know how, heck, if you want to, if you have it and you like, I'll, I'll give you my number. We can FaceTime. You can hold the phone, put the phone down right in front of your TV as it plays and then turn it off. I'll yep. watch it. But we would That's like to include it. But Somebody out there has You'll it. notice I'm not saying a damn thing during these segments. <laughs> he wants to like, keep his job at Puck. Mm, um, <laughs> so, uh, but I, I would like, I would like to see it. I, I would like to know. I'd see Brendan Fraser as uh, what was uh, Firefly. Firefly. That's right. Come on, we got you know. The world needs it. We want. We all deserve it. I watched the whale and I almost cried. Mm-hmm. So just give me, give me Brendan Fraser doing something. Not the whale. Not that the whale was bad, but yeah. it was I mean, very emotionally heavy. Now let me see him set stuff on fire. Exactly. Exactly. Hey, you he's win hysterical the and killers the flower moon in like a glorified cameo. Yeah, yes. that's true. That's yes, true. He is. Yes. <laughs> Another sad one. <laughs> yes. Otherwise, yes, but he's yes. like the happy part. That's true. Uh, but yeah, literally uh, so. So yeah, th- that's our Batgirl begging for the week. That's never going to come true, but you never know. You never know. If you don't ask, you never know. So uh, we will head on over back to 2020, a fun time for all of us Good in times. the world. Um, December for Wonder Woman 1984. I can save today, but you can save the world. One day, you'll become all that you dream of and more. Everything will be different. This world is not ready for all that you will do. The world needs you. Which is directed by Patty Jenkins, written by Patty Jenkins, Jeff Johns, Dave Callaham on a story by Jenkins and Johns. That sounds like a law office. Uh, Starring Gal Gadot, Pedro Pascal, Chris Pine, Kristen Wiig, Robin Wright, Connie Nielsen, Lily Aspel, Christopher Palana, and Robbie Patel. 
Diana must contend with a work colleague and with a businessman whose desires for extreme wealth sends the world down a path of destruction after an ancient artifact that grants wishes goes missing. So, Scott, uh, uh, share the story of Wonder Woman 84 de- debuting on HBO Max. Okay. Which is the what Max is- was, kids, in the future. <laughs> <laughs> For two or three glorious years, it was HBO Max. Mm, the good days. Um, <laughs> before Pure Flix bought Warner Brothers. <laughs> 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 Before Angel Studios bought Warner Brothers. Um, Jesus. Well, yeah, literally. <laughs> uh, 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 oh, God. Uh, anyway. Yeah, yeah, Angel Studios. Okay. We get it, Scott. We get it. All right. <laughs> Wonder Woman. Supposed to come. It was originally announced for, I believe, November 1st-ish. First week of November 2019. Uh, and then it was moved, I like early December 2019. And then it was moved... For no reason related to quality or anything. Like, fuck it. Let's just open it in June. The same weekend the first one came out three years prior. And that made sense at the time. I you know, I had argued in print or digital ink many times to do that. And going into the year, it looked like Wonder Woman 84 was going to be the biggest grossing movie, at least domestically, of the year. Because assuming Avatar wasn't going to make its release date, and that's always a coin toss. Looking at the films that were supposed to come out in 2020, you know, there were a number of solid, likely solid hits, but with the caveat that I severely underestimated Top Gun Maverick's appeal by a little bit, there was nothing else <laughs> on the slate that would have come all that close to the likely 350 to 400 million domestic gross of Woman 184. As you know, the pandemic happens, theaters are shut down. And then HBO Max debuts that summer, and Jason Killer is brought in to run Warner Brothers via AT&T. He's a Hulu executive, and he, like a lot of executives in that moment, basically puts all their eggs in the streaming basket. HBO Max has a problem here. They just launched, but they don't have the slew of high-profile content, forgive me for using the word content here, that they were expecting because there's a pandemic. You know, it was supposed to open up with like a Friends reunion and a Harry Potter reunion special. And, you know, these are things that end up not happening. So skipping slightly ahead, that's why we eventually end up with the Zack Snyder four-hour kind of Justice League. Because they need something. <laughs> mm. Now, there was a hope that the and the worst parts of the pandemic would be over by Memorial Day. And that theaters would slowly be open for business by late summer. And it was going to be sort of the opening shot in the arm to theaters. And then you'd have, you know, uh, September, late, late August, early September with horror films. Candyman, Quiet Place 2, Conjuring 3, to sort of get everybody back in the groove. And then Wonder Woman 84 was going to open in October of 2020. Boom, off to the races. And it does not do well in North America. Ironically, I would argue it did very well overseas. <laughs> it did like $300 million overseas, which I would say, you know, having seen the film, was about 75% of what it otherwise would have done in non-COVID times. Unfortunately, when it opens in North America, New York theaters are closed. LA theaters are closed. Several other big cities are still closed. It frankly flops in North America. It only does about $58 million domestic. Everybody panics. The big films that were supposed to close out the year, No Time to Die, Wonder Woman, Black Widow, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, 
They all get sent to 2021, except for Wonder Woman 84. What gets announced in, I believe, late November mm-hmm. is, okay, fuck it, they say. We're going to put Wonder Woman in theaters on Christmas Day and on HBO Max concurrently. Now, knowing that the movie was going to make a lot less at the box office, they paid off Patty Jenkins and Gal Gadot with $10 million checks apiece as sort of theoretical profit participation that never happened. And it becomes sort of a very early test case for an otherwise surefire tentpole during a time, a pre-vaccine moment in time when it's still touch and go about going to theaters. Like two or three weeks later, it gets announced that the entire 2021 Warner Brothers theatrical slate will also debut both in theaters and on HBO Max concurrently. This is still a subject of great controversy. Obviously, it sort of shatters the theatrical window as we know it. And there's been years of conversations about whether it did harm to the box office of these films. Honestly, I've long argued that it really didn't for a couple reasons. First of all, most of the Warner Brothers movies slated for 2021 were going to flop anyway. Quality notwithstanding, Reminiscence, Those Who Wish Me Dead, The Little Things, Look, I love Denzel Washington, but it's probably his worst theatrical picture. Um, give or take Equalizer 2. But Equalizer <laughs> 3 is a lot better. And and Matrix Rev- Resurrections was always a coin toss. Space Jam A New Legacy was a coin toss. Frankly, Dune was a coin toss. Mm-hmm. As was Godzilla v. Kong. Because Godzilla King of the Monsters had bombed. So, honestly, the only surefire... And the Conjuring movie, too. Oh, yeah. In the, in the Conjuring yeah, movie. Yeah. But that was... You know, those are cheap. So... Yeah. You know, you're not risky much there. The only surefire hit that got sent to the HBO Max streaming mill was Wonder Woman 1984. Uh-huh. So Christmas Day, the movie opens with mixed positive reviews, and it does okay on a severe COVID curve. It does like $17 million over the its opening weekend, which of course is more than anything's open to since The Invisible <laughs> Man, I think. Yeah. On, onward, onward. Onward, yeah. Mm. But as more people see it, the the word of mouth decreases. And the overall discourse around the film is, I would argue, poisoned by the fact that it's available online concurrently. So you have people that otherwise had no interest in seeing it and would never plan on seeing it that were basically hate watching it for social media clout. Gotcha. This includes what became a regular feature of the COVID era, where these new theatrical films would come out, and you'd have major scenes excerpted on Twitter with point and laugh commentary before they were even, you know, before opening day even rolled around. And some of the discourse around the film, I would argue, was ridiculous. It's an 80s comedy that's paying homage to buddy buddy swap movies. It's not fucking rape justification, people. As far as I know, she never even sleeps with the guy. You know, they don't. They never come right out and said that they fuck. They probably do. But... All right, all right. Well, Scott, we're, we're getting to the movie. I want to get Chris's yeah. thoughts. Oh, okay, Sorry. so we'll we'll shift to movie thoughts. Uh, Chris, yeah. your thoughts on Wonder Woman, nineteen eighty four. So I definitely was interested in seeing the movie because I liked the first Wonder Woman so much. Mm-hmm. It had its own vibe that was still inside of. The, I'm just going to call it the gritty DC verse. It was still kind of inside of that, but outside of it too. Had a vibe. It was cool. Electric cello. So the second one's getting ready to come out. Me and the wife are excited for it. And before we even get into the whole 
what happens to this other guy's soul thing, which I know is not supposed to be a part of it, but it was, it was, it was everywhere. And like that, <laughs> it was really part of the reason why we, we did a skit about this movie. And it was just like, that was one of the things we talked about in the skit, but it was other shit too. But anyway, regardless, it's just that um, it had a lot of that eighties aesthetic and it just totally doesn't work. Like it, for me, it's not able to be funny enough or kitschy enough or fun enough. It was just like, mm, I feel like they were trying and maybe something got messed up in the writing or behind the scenes, but like, they're just, it didn't land. It's not the older one where woman was at least fun. And it's, I don't know this one kind of all over the place. You have to bring Chris Pine back for some reason, which I really, that doesn't need to be done. And then in the end, it's just fighting borderline eighties Trump. Yeah. I, I think with this one, I enjoy it. Like, so this is probably maybe the second time I've seen it, and I enjoyed it much more the second time. I was f- fine with it the first time. Like, it was just this kind of, it's a little more average than I wanted the Wonder Woman sequel to be because I like yeah. the first one so much. And the pine thing is they, they went for the old trope of like, well, what did we do in the last one? Let's flip it around. And they fish out of water him, which isn't near as interesting as her trying to learn about humanity as he is just like oh my people have advanced you know it's 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 different um but that pine get she like we pointed out in the last one we're walking like her best scenes are with him like he makes her better i compared it to george lazenby in honor majesty's secret secret service like diana rigg and he's not a great the greatest actor in that movie but when he's with rigg he's really good he's pretty good Um, like having someone to play off of yeah, she plays. He plays off of them really well. The, there's a, a weird thing with me with this movie's eightiesness because it's there. It's not one thing. I I will say. I I thought the first time around, I was like, well, this is just merely eighties in title and setting. But I like that it's also not hitting you over the head with the eighties stuff, which yeah. is good. It keeps it normal, mainly to like a mall scene at the opening is like, here's all your flashy 80s stuff. But its themes and its politics and everyday life uh, are where the 80s stuff carries. However, this could have used some needle drops of like some banger classics from yeah. that year. They never I, go to the music. I think it's like Stranger Things was kind of doing that a lot. So I felt like a lot of things that were coming out was anything that was 80s with a needle drop, especially a mall involved. was like, oh, it's like Stranger Things. It's yeah. like, what could they have done? You to don't need to be Fear cliche? Street. You don't need to be Fear Street where it had like 90 needle drops in a minute and a half. <laughs> but I mean, like the, the trailer did Blue Monday, which was there were some accuracy issues about that <laughs> song and stuff. But that year I looked up, I'm like, Forever Young? Forever young, I want to uh, radio Gaga. Hold me now. When doves cry, jump. Something like give us jump three of them. Good. Jump would have been good. The mall scene I mean, at the beginning, like yeah, that's it. Right, uh, th- she slides know. in, saves the kids. Yeah, something Add in between. there. I don't know. Um, I like that the finale does. It goes for something different rather than she. She has her fight with Cheetah, but when it comes to facing. Uh, Pedro Pascal, it's something different. It's it's a it's a Star Trek kind of ending where you have the conversation, mm-hmm. yeah. you play the mind games, you do this thing, and you you <clears throat> you work for the good of humanity to come through rather than and I'm and granted when you are presenting this movie as Scott said to the cynic Twitter crowd 
to watch streaming with their phones, earnestness doesn't come off as well as sitting in a theater with a quiet crowd engaged. They're going to go after it. I think earnestness has made a comeback in theaters since. <laughs> but Because it's in theaters, though. Maybe right? this one. Maybe this. May- I saw this in a theater. I was lucky yeah. enough to get a press screening that was actually in theaters. And obviously, like a lot of films that unfortunately were yeah. COVID casualties, it plays better in theaters. You know, yeah. News of the World, Ray and the Last Dragon, uh, The Midnight Sky, it's a Netflix movie, but yep. nonetheless. Um, I will say it does deliver some nice big, big action scenes in here uh, when they go overseas. Uh, that The the highway, the, oh, is it a highway when it's just yeah. a strip yeah. through the desert? Um, the street. So, yeah, the street stuff. There's there's some there's some fun action. Uh, fun enough, big stuff for me. I love when they shoot IMAX stuff. Uh but yeah, it's it's just sort of it falls short. Um, I guess we'll talk. We'll hold. I'll hold my talk about the consent thing and the West Asian rest representation in the movie after uh, Scott. But also, I noticed too they didn't go to like large cast this movie. They got Wig and the Pascal, and then psh, there's no other big parts. There's yeah. I mean there's some character actors you might know, but like it's really light. Like they've got. It's a four-person cast, and two of them are from the last movie. It's really, really interesting. And this is pre-shooting during COVID-type stuff, so I, you can't blame it on that. So they were it's kind of small there. But anyway, Scott, your thoughts on the film? Uh, I don't love it, but again, I was fortunate enough to see it in theaters. And, you know, the opening scene was shot on IMAX cameras, and that's how it was supposed to be seen. Mm-hmm. Um, I did appreciate that it was... To me, it felt like Patty Jenkins trying to make a female-driven superhero movie that was a bit more complicated than what if a woman kicked ass. And it almost felt in some ways, whether it works or not, as a rebuttal to that kind of you know, female-driven action-adventure film that's just as tough and rough and tumble as the dude films. And this is a film that sort of leans into Wonder Woman's perhaps stereotypical femininity. And I really liked it in some ways. It felt to me like one of the more transgressive comic book superhero movies I had seen in a long time because it went the grain and against the grain in terms of being grounded and darker or grittier and or more action packed and more violent. It's it was, you know, it it's on paper, it's what everybody said they wanted from their comic book superhero movies. It was uplifting, it was fun, it was idealistic, it was colorful. It wasn't filled with violence. That being said, she is clearly a fan of the Donner, you know, the Superman. And to whatever extent we count Superman 2 as a Donner film, that's a complicated conversation. It's also clear that in in her attempts to play in the Superman 2 sandbox, she pole vaults into Superman 3. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, um, That opening scene in the mall, it's right at, you know, it's almost identical in tone to the opening scene of Superman 3. This is true. She, so she's fair, a less she's a Lester fan, not a Donner. Yes. <laughs> and to be fair, I kind of knew that going in just because when you see the first look photos and she's dressed like she was in the the old 70s TV show and you see the aesthetic it's like, oh, this is going to be like a TMNT Secret of the Ooze, where the first film, it's based on the slightly darker, grittier, more majestic comic books. And then the sequel is going to be based on the lighter, more colorful, kid friendly television show. And that turned out to be a correct prediction, for better or worse. Now, that being said, 
I don't think it entirely works. A big reason is because I think bringing Chris Pine back, you know, you know, slits the film's kneecaps right when it's getting going. Yeah. Yeah. A, he doesn't need to be there. B, the film, like another Pedro Pascal film, Kingsman, the Golden Circle, (laughs) shoots itself in the face in the second act by resurrecting a dead character and spending the rest of the running time justifying why that character is still around. True. Only to then revert to the status quo that already existed at the end of the first film. And it took uh, decades. To, like, yeah. yeah. But that's a Zack Snyder thing. I'm not, yeah. that's, you know, that's Zack Snyder's fault, you know, but because in Justice League, <clears throat> she's still mourning Steve Rod, you know, Steve uh, Rogers. Yeah. Not Rogers. Steve, uh, the other yeah. one. Played by another Chris. It's very confusing. Yes. <laughs> Trevor. So Steve, Steve Trevor. Steve Trevor. Steve Trevor. Um, yeah. It took my brain a sec. And. <laughs> Again, I like the film. I think it's a three-star entertainment. I think it was, it's nowhere near as good as the first one. Nah. But mm-hmm. I admire what it's going for. It's a hell of a swing. Yeah. You know, you have Patty Jenkins, who has shattered the glass ceiling in terms of female-directed mega-budget superhero movies. And for her encore, she makes, and this is, I do not intend this as a criticism, almost an excessively stereotypically girly comic book superhero movie that's going to not quite work for those who want of both genders who wanted a more majestic ass kicking. She takes a sword and fights bad guys, superhero adventure film. Yeah. And do I think think it all works? No, but I sure as hell admire the attempt. I think it's, it gets wrapped to one of the problems that a lot of the DC movies has is not having a very strong villain while this like uh what Gordon Gecko, like greed is good type of dude. Like it makes sense for an eighties villain. And it, and it, it just doesn't, it doesn't like all pull together in the end. Like it's, I mean, he's a threat and you can understand that. Oh, like it's going to take away directly something in wonder woman's life that she wants to beat him. And it's like an emotional thing, but I don't know if for a villain in a movie, like, the fight with her and Cheetah's cooler, you know what I mean? And it's, it's a comic mm-hmm. book movie and comic movies kind of live and die off of like, Oh, is that shit cool or not? And there are like the Eternals. Like, is that shit cool? Like, I, I mean, the villain in the Eternals, I, I, what, you know what I mean? Like, it's one of those things where it's like, if it doesn't have a strong villain, someone to go up against, then. You mean the Marvel film that tried to replicate the tone and atmosphere of the Zack Snyder DC universe? Yes. That, <laughs> Eternals? <laughs> that we just don't Which, talk. Movie didn't work, but. I admire the swing because if they had fucking pulled that off, can you imagine if Marvel had had their own group of not Justice League that were more popular than the genuine article? That would have been crazy. But anyway, sorry, I interrupted. But no, no, no. I I mean, I was wrapping up. It's just, I think it's the villain problem and it is a big choice. And, you know, they're always like, make big choices. And I feel that. I want that. I, I want... Movies that I I can't conceive. Show me some shit that's gonna blow my mind. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, don't give me what I think I want, and don't give me what's formulaic. Give me something brand new every single time. And I like that this movie tried to do that, but still, it just didn't work. And it felt like, in hindsight, they could probably be like, "Oh, it was the pandemic," but like this, it was made before the pandemic. Like, yeah, I don't understand <laughs> what they were thinking or what they were doing or how we got to here because you did and it feels it feels mad because it doesn't really commit to any of those things all the way. It's just like I, I do think the film was. I mean, other than the, the way it was released, releasing a film where the eventual message is that everyone is halfway decent if you give them a chance. 
<laughs> did not play very well after a year in which millions of people were killed mm-hmm. by a global pandemic that was exacerbated by you know just speaking to america for a second you know <laughs> political factions that were politicizing the very things that we were supposed to do to save our own lives yeah, yeah yep. and that if we just stay in for two weeks yeah. no if no. we had just everyone renounced your week weekend everybody was cheetah yeah <laughs> and not the well, that's the, the thing world. is i think I like the characters, the villains, but also they're not really because, again, I think the point she's trying to make is that if given the opportunity, everyone will give in to their better angels. And that also kind of I think that kind of backfired in a couple ways because the film got some blowback in terms of its its some of its portrayal. It's like, oh, you have this this greedy Middle Eastern oil baron and, and, you know, Cheetah's this woman that wants to be a stereotypical model and she's evil because of that. Well, like. But by the end of the film, the point is that none of them are evil. They're all good at art. If given, and all of them in the end make the right choice. And, you know, the film is far more upfront about, you know, gender dynamics and the threat of male and female violence than the first one was. But because it's such a gee whiz, no harm superhero movie, like you have scenes where Cheetah is seen as sort of going to the dark side because she beats the shit out of a would-be rapist. And it's like, well, he kind of had it coming. Right. 100%. In a film that was less committed to being wholesome, if she kills the guy, then okay, I buy that as a you know point of no return. But as far as I know, nobody dies in this film. Yeah. And so it's it's a film where in some ways it's under undercut by its desire to be wholesome. Yeah. yeah. Well, the the West Asian stuff, like a lot of it, there was a lot of issue because of just well, one, it's like it's the '80s, it's the oil. It's like okay, I guess that's where we got it. They go, but there's also the idea people had of uh, Gal Gadot throwing her own political agenda and stuff, and her scene beating them to a pulp was an issue. Yeah, but she she didn't beat them to a pulp. Well, not beating pulp. I mean, but fighting like against... the one scene that everybody got pissed about was like she shaves a bunch yeah. of couple of children from a car. Yeah. First of all, is she supposed to not save those children? Right. Exactly. <laughs> Second of all, the point is that the you know, pardon me for saying this, Middle Eastern lives and art Israeli are still worth saving. Thank you very much. Yeah. And see if you watch the scene, she's the one that launched that missile in the first place. Right. So she was saving people that were endangered by her own actions. Right. And. She fails to save them. Yeah. So, yeah, there's that. And then there's the consent thing, yeah. which I never, like, I, I watched it and I was like, huh. And then it was funny because people more so were uptight about it because of the sexual nature. But I'm like, they went and put that guy's body in danger in action yeah. scenes. That's, I think, worse than boning him. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, they took him over. He went overseas. He flew in an invisible jet. He he was in the middle of a mob. Like he might have kids in a four hundred one k and shit. He ain't got no PTO. <laughs> yeah. I I so I, it really like I'm I guess and this was the eighties. This was you know before Reagan office completely crippled the economy. He probably had PTO. <laughs> I'm I grew up in the 80s watching movies like that, like body swaps. So I'm ignorant to a lot like so that them hooking up. So I was like, oh, it didn't bother me. But when people brought up the consent thing, I thought first I was like, oh, I didn't think sexually. I thought, oh, my God, all the danger. Like he could have like lost a limb, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's fixed by one scene. If we are introduced to Diana on a date breaking up with this guy and saying, I just, I just can't because she can't get over Steve. And then that's the guy who Steve takes over. So we can assume they've already done things or the guy would have been happy to do something yeah. like that. That's fixed. But if you're going to magic somebody back from death, why not just magic them all the way? Right. Magic. Yeah. Just, there is that too. Yeah. It's him. His body's back. We don't. Why do the other? Why did they do that? Yes. It did like, not bother me, but I absolutely agree with you that it was, there was no reason they couldn't just magically. He's there. Yeah. yeah. Without a choice. scientific explanation. I will say so. Maybe while... they, maybe they, do you think there's a chance that they didn't know if Pine was coming back? Oh, because the other dude was super handsome. So they're probably like, maybe he can be a second fiddle out here. Yeah. Do you think there's a chance that that guy has some scenes cut on the floor where I'm guessing they knew he was coming back before they went into serious development? Because I know she really wanted him back. Right. And, you know, he seems to be pretty loyal to the people he works with as long as everything. You know, he did her TV show. Oh, yeah. Mm, okay, that that was my, my feeling one. is that it sort of plays into the notion. This has been an ongoing problem where the new generation of not a white guy filmmakers are being held to moral standards that were never applied <laughs> to their predecessors in the seventies, eighties, and nineties. And you know, to me, it's like you know, to what extent do you want these filmmakers to be able to make the kind of movies that we say we want them to make? Yeah. Well, yeah, like I, I think like somebody like when they were talk about like a woman making a generic superhero movie, it's like they can have one, right? Yeah, they're, like, they're they, allowed to do that. I mean, it's 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 okay if it's like just uh, they hits like basic, like <clears throat> they, they can go through those motions too. They can, you know, it's it's so it's so bizarre to me. No, like, I, I really like the first act. I like the quirky and specific. Kirsten Wig and Pedro Pascal characters. I like that he wasn't. Everybody thought, "Oh, he's a Trump character." It's like, yeah, really? He's not. He's the infomercial guy. Yeah, yeah. He's, pretty he's, much. Yeah. For one thing, you know, he seems to care about what other people think of him, and he loves his children. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, but then, you know, for me, it just loses a lot of steam when Chris Pine comes back, because to me, that feels like a giant distraction. Yeah. Yeah. It's um while we were working on this mo- working on the skit for this it was um in january of 2021 mm-hmm. on the 6th and so i just remember the whole time like trying to shoot this and like think about this like wonder woman like wholesomeness we're trying to do this skit and be funny and like my i'm getting text messages and watching the Capitol be stormed on tv over here oh geez and being like no focused in i'm doing this i'm doing <laughs> that and it just felt like i, don't I know, took like, the day off yeah i see i have because <laughs> i, I I know some of the cynicalness of what was happening on the TV ended up into the yeah. skit. And it, it, it probably, for people who are watching, made it feel like we were on that same kind of like, oh, we're not for the wholesomeness of this general thing. Like, I don't know. It was just, it was a rough time. It was a really yeah. nice movie. I feel like maybe that nice movie wasn't the, really fit for that rough time. Like, the if it one came out tweet a different that really cheered me up during that, you know, that moment is someone who said you know i know this looks really bad guys but if we all get together and renounce our wishes i think it'll be okay <laughs> it <laughs> did it. this one did hit pop culture with the memes of the yeah. uh life is if good, you say i renounce be my wish everybody yeah. knows yeah. what you're talking about <laughs> i renounce my wish i renounce so yeah um but no i i i 
I think had it not opened, you know, had it opened in a normal non-COVID world in summer 2020 in theaters, I don't think it would have made as much as the first one. This but would have been well. Oh. A 650, 750 worldwide probably would have been fine. Yeah. And what they spent 200 on it to make it, right? They did. And that's that's a shit ton of money for a movie yeah. that Yeah, I mean, everybody film, got a race. You know. It, yeah, it would have been nice if they would have yeah. just kind of broke even and been like, oh, okay, well, maybe that's the last Wonder Woman movie. Instead of it being yeah. like this tarnish of like, oof, you didn't even make that bag. And come on. Well, and that was the cost of sending it to HBO Max instead of waiting and releasing it in summer 2021. Right. That yeah. being said, as much as I am still angry and bitter about how Wonder Woman 84 got sacrificed to the HBO Max streaming gods, absent Project Popcorn, I do not believe that. Warner Brothers would have had the safety net that allowed them to release Godzilla v. Kong and Mortal Kombat when they did. Two films that comparably overperformed and basically are responsible for us even having a summer 2021 movie season. Yeah. So, I mean, whatever. I, I Again, I'm of two minds about Project Popcorn. On one hand, I agree with everyone in terms of making theatrical less of a big deal, shattering the window, training people to stay at home. But I also think it saved movie theaters. I think we need that, though, just because if we're going to keep releasing $200 million movies, which even if, let's be for real, dial that down to $100 million movies, how many people are going to buy an app or a subscription to the subscription service to make sure that the people can make the money back on the, the fucking $100 million movie that they make? That's not how it works. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not of the old mind. I do think that whatever new is coming will be good. But we're experiencing kind of the death of cinema. I was watching a video about this earlier today and like <laughs> we need we do need to be able to go out and watch movies. It was a good system and it can be changed and be updated and made better. But without that, if these movies keep coming out streaming like Netflix is dropping gold on streaming and it's just gone and no one fucking knows about it until someone is like, hey, have you yeah. seen the best movie ever that's on Netflix? And it's like, Jesus, why that there? And you don't know. And like Netflix the- could have made a ton of money with the glass onion and just mm-hmm. said like one weekend's fine. Yeah. And this because Netflix is <laughs> and in the only reason the they theaters. did that was to kneecap the movies that were opening wide Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah. Because I will that's go to my grave swearing that was the you know, not they could have opened it at any time in the many empty October, November, December weekends. They opened it over Thanksgiving, which was packed. Right. Mm-hmm. And like because of that. For me, as a person who likes movies, it like the art form in general, like yeah. without that, we're going to get less art movies that are cool and good. And luckily, the superhero movies are kind of on their way out. But unfortunately, the video game movies are on the upcome. And like, I just want no man, I just want fucking movies. <laughs> Can we just <laughs> and, well, and that's been a problem since 2016, because late 2015, early 2016. Basically, a large segment of the casual movie-going populace shifted their casual entertainment consumption from theaters to streaming. Yeah. So the people that would see just a movie movie or they would see the event film and the movie movie, they stopped seeing those films in theaters and either watched them at home or didn't watch them at all. And they watched some eight-episode television show instead. Yeah. So that's been, unfortunately, a problem well before COVID. Well, and to, I mean, not to pile on the superhero movies, but I was listening to another problem here, like um, where we get crappy product and stuff is going to sag it down is uh, I was listening to Justine Bateman talking about that. She's not cool with the agreements that they made about AI and stuff because the superhero movies, the productions have trained us that phony stuff's fine. Like they're doing the fa- the de-aging, the, all the stuff. It's just like, well, what's AI then? 
throwing like you know game background actors have less work you know because what is the ai we you know we digitize them now we do ai yep. stuff so and th- and that's why people won't have a hard time accepting ai because those you know ips have which been- is why i am incredibly relieved why well, don't generally root for movies to fail and in general i still don't it helps that indiana jones 5 and the flash both bombed this summer there you go. Because when you see the future, I could have easily seen like we're going to use AI to do thirty-year-old Harrison Ford in a new Indiana Jones movie, mm-hmm. or Sean Ooh. Connery is going to be Bond again. Solo, and three. yeah, and as we saw, there isn't as big of a marketplace for that kind of thing as we maybe were afraid of. Gotcha. And in terms of streaming, Scott, do you know what there wasn't as big a marketplace for as some people might have thought? Marvel and Disney and Star Wars shows. Zack Zack Snyder's Justice League oh, 2021. Yeah. Our next Woo. movie. That's a here. good segue. So begins the end. The dark time. I've never seen a being this strong. Maybe one. He's back. I spent a lot of time trying to divide us. I made a promise to him on his grave. I need to bring us together. There are enemies coming from far away. They serve an old power. This world is divided. No protectors here. No lanterns. No Kryptonium. It will fall in his name. I have turned worlds to dust. All of existence shall be mine. I have a second chance. He said the age of heroes would never come again. Fighting the devil and his army. You know, I don't care how many demons he's fought and how many hells, he's never fought us united. It's time to stand. The time is now. Directed by Zack Snyder. Of course, Zack Snyder's Justice League, I hope, would be directed by Zack Snyder. <laughs> Written by Chris Terrio on a story by Snyder, Terrio, and B.L. Henry Selleck. Uh-oh. Uh, starring Ben Affleck, Gal Gadot, Ray Fisher, Jason Momoa, Ezra Miller, Henry Cavill, Amy Adams, Diane Lane, Jeremy Irons, Amber Heard, Willem Dafoe, Connie Nielsen, J.K. Simmons, Aaron Hines, Jesse Eisenberg, Joe Maganello, Joe Morton, Ryan Chang, Jared Leto, and Harry Lennox as The Martian Manhunter. Determined to ensure that Superman's ultimate sacrifice wasn't in vain, 
Bruce Wayne recruits a team of metahumans to protect the world from an approaching threat of catastrophic proportions. So yeah, the Justice League, uh, this is the the intended, from what I know, the only thing compromised from his original idea was he wanted the Green Lantern to visit Bruce Wayne at the end, and Warner said no. You can't use the Green Lantern, so he used the Martian Manhunter. And I had heard for years, back when this was supposed to be a two-part movie, that the cliffhanger was Green Lantern showing yep. up and said, watch out, fuckers, Darkseid's coming. I remember it was Chris Pine rumored to play the Green Lantern for a lot of it. Too many crises. Too many crises. <laughs> Too many crises. I will say. Right fucking there. I will, I will say this. Don't Stewart. I admire Chris Pine's choices aside from the Jack, Jack Ryan. Ryan. Recruit. Yeah. I admire. He, he does unexpected he's fine uh and he's always he's always wonderful um so this one has anybody watched it in one sitting i've not i've seen it twice <sighs> i did not oh chris tell us about Zack snyder's justice league um what year did this one come out was this 2021 2021 mm-hmm. still deep off in the pandemic um we watched this uh, on the normies with uh, pandemic seating where we had our chairs pushed apart mm-hmm. and using a projector. Uh, it was honestly fun to watch it that way because it kind of movie and we were hurting for movie theaters. It was a very long movie. I did like it. It is better. It's definitely better, but it's too damn long. All right. It, there's a lot of slow motion. You know, Zack Snyder can't get away from that. It's his calling card. And I don't know, all in all, fun watch. Hard to recommend to people because it's so damn long. I, I have a hard time recommending Oppenheimer because it's three hours long, and this one is 242 minutes. So, good movie though. Good movie. I though. did enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. It's it is it is better. Um, it's I I was surprised at how different it was. Uh, there does get to points where it's just better versions of things that were in the movie, but like the action, the big action scenes for a lot of it, and the, the finale is worth yeah. the build up this time. Like it is, I was like, literally when I first saw, I was like excited when Superman showed up, I was like, yeah, this is, yeah. And before it was just like, yeah, they're just beating the heck out of a CG guy in a yeah, CG dome. The third act is a huge improvement. A huge. Cause, yeah. and I like, he doesn't command the, like he doesn't, it's not his movie, but seeing Steppenwolf's journey a little bit more makes him a stronger villain. Like and seeing yeah. communicating with Dark, you're you're building a better threat. I think. I'm just like it's not like oh, I understand him now. He's you know doing. He's a know. middle manager that just wants yeah. to please the boss, right? And he looks much better too. Right? Oh yeah, yeah. he's yeah. bigger. Yeah, made his look like by a lot, which is a really good idea. Yeah, that's yeah, that's one of the things I liked. I definitely think there's a a very very good two hour forty five two hour fifty minute movie hidden in this because. Yeah. There's a, so one of the, one of the things I thought could have gone. There's a lot of Lois Lane and Martha Kent stuff that Superman's not there. Why are we following them? And it all gets regurgitated to him when he returns to the farm. Or you could have added more to that. I like Lois Lane. You could have opened the movie with her setting the cup where uh, his monument used to be, and just kind of got the idea that she's not doing good. And you see the ring as she puts the cup there, so you know she's still wearing it. Um, I think Ray Fisher's done a lot better here. Uh, I like I I'm I know it's a lot of flashback, a lot of montage, but I do like what's going on with him, and I like I think he's he gets a lot more to do. Um, yeah. And 
gets to kind of carry it. And Joe Morton's in a lot more of this movie, which benefits. Um, what else do I have? I, I could have done without the nightmare end sequence because oh my god yeah all that you, you shut it off at 3 30 much better movie <laughs> yeah like because that i don't know what the, the all that scene does is just a bunch of characters trying to one-up each other with saying a character's name is dead like that's all it is it's like oh yeah he screwed up and lois lane is dead well what about aquaman well i don't know well i got i killed harley quinn like what is all this like I thought in in and I might be wrong, but I thought that that was all set up for like it was going to be inevitable and we would get that future. Yeah. So it kind of felt like a mid uh, like the, the the trailers that they do at the end of movies, but yeah, in the middle of the end of the movie, right? And like I mean, it's a lot of hype, but I don't know. That's a Batman movie. That's not a new Justice League movie, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, team dynamics, action scenes, humor, character work, leaps and bounds better here. Uh, and yeah, it takes four hours to do it, and a lot of it is a lot of, lot of set, lot of setup, uh, a lot of you know. It takes its time. I, I do enjoy it, but it is a long journey. That yeah, I I sat down. I think the first time I watched it, I watched the first two parts. Took a, I was like, I'll, I'll do two parts a day or something like that. Or there's someone put out a good way to watch it, okay. but it hits a part. Somewhere in there between parts three and four, it hits a thing where I just didn't want to stop. I was like, okay, this is good. This is going. The first two parts, easy to put down. Um, and then the, the choice of being in four by three, that's a choice. That's not IMAX. That is I was not here the for IMAX. that, actually. I'm, I, I, I'm here for that. But like, I think they were like, yeah, it's the IMAX. I'm like, that's not the IMAX ratio. But okay. so It's anyway. old TV. The four by three's got a, <laughs> it's got a. The movie has a vibe. It's it's a reason to do it differently. Mm-hmm. It kind of reminds me of uh, AI, where two different Artur directors were like working on a project, and because of one reason or another, someone else has to step in and finish it up. And it's like, well, now it's weird. And I feel like the whole entire journey of all of Justice League is like that. Mm-hmm. Even even the Zack Snyder version still has choices that were made by not all the way him. It's like as much as that he could put on. And right. It definitely comes out as a Zack Snyder movie more than it is a Joss Whedon movie. Yeah, for sure. Scott, what are your thoughts here? I, with the caveat that, again, in my mind, the movie's over as soon as Joe Morton finishes his second monologue. When he does this, I do this, and I'm a much happier viewer. Yeah. So you have a three-hour, 30-minute movie that I think you could easily, easily nip-tuck into two hours and 40, two hours and 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. And... I remain angry that that's not what happened. And obviously some of that's Warner Brothers fault. Some of that's Snyder's fault. And we don't know what compromises might have been made. Absent the family tragedy that sort of blew a hole in everything. But in a theoretical world, you get a two hour, 40 minute Justice League movie that has the pacing and the tone of the seven samurai. And three Three months before Black Panther, you have a fucking Justice League movie where at least the second half of the film is headlined by the black guy. Yeah. And I think Ray Fisher is fine in the theatrical cut. I actually like some of his choices in the theatrical cut better just because I like the idea that he doesn't think of himself as a monster. That's sort of an inversion of the Quasimodo thing. But, you know, he is the least known actor playing the least known character who's the brooder and the tragic hero of the group. Of course, he wasn't going to be the audience favorite. That being said, watching the film, 
a lot of the new new footage is stuff that never would have made a theatrical cut. Yeah, you're never going to have a 10 minute silent scene of uh, what's his name Barry Allen saving his non girlfriend who he's never actually met from a random car accident that goes on and on and on and on because he was you're trying never- to get a job. That's <laughs> yes, but we could have been never, told that at the police. You're station. never going to have, you know, a silent montage of uh, Ray Stevens silently doing low key superhero stuff while his father monologues at him for 10 minutes. Rick Fisher. In a way that I don't think. Yeah. In, what did I say? Stevens. Stevens. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Fisher. Which one's Ray? Who's Ray Stevens? Ray Stevenson. R.I.P. Oh, right, right, right. Hashtag my, my hashtag my punisher. Yes, ah. yes. Um and so it's 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 and you know, so much of the discourse was, oh, you know, you know, these scenes were cut out because of this political reason, and this scenes were cut out because of race and all of this nonsense. It's like none of these scenes were gonna make the theatrical cut anyway, because they were director's cut scenes. They're the kind of things that you get on the Blu-ray as a special feature, in the same way that you know. Kingdom of Heaven as a two hour and 20 minute movie is pretty damn good, even though you will obviously most people would admit that the three hour one is a hell of a lot better. So I, I I just I wish the parties could have come together for some kind of compromise and gotten this pretty damn good two hour and 40 minute Justice League movie. Well, and then you know what? You move on from the Snyder era. He goes off and does uh, Army of the Dead on Netflix. Bring in Walter Hamada anyway. And everybody lives happily ever after. Yeah, yeah. And, I, but I, I think because yeah, streaming, they're like, well, people can binge watch it like a show, but they didn't yeah, exactly. separate it into parts. It's they just it is a one a, you play one. If they would have separated into parts and dropped it over a period of time, like over like a, a weekend or something, or started it Thursday well, and, it ended. and you know the reason they probably didn't do that because by this time you had Nielsen ratings that were being offered every week mm-hmm. and even though HBO max was barely, barely accounted for in the Nielsen ratings in all of the ratings that we have for streaming, they're all by time. And if you drop one 50 minute episode a week or two 50 minute episodes a week, you're going to have a lot fewer minutes watched for that piece of content Mm. versus one gigantic fucking movie. Yeah. Which this um, one didn't make it didn't make a blip, right? That no. was the end result. Was it was like whoa? And the sad <laughs> thing is that thirty six percent of the people that started it finished it, which means only thirty six percent of the oh people actually gosh. got to the good stuff. Jeez, <laughs> oh, that's be, it's such a slow burn. It is yeah. not like it's a movie that's meant to be a slow burn. Mm-hmm. Like there are there are movies made for that, but this isn't that. It's it's fucking Justice League, man. We're yeah. supposed to be getting in, hitting ground running. And I do think that a bit of Zack Snyder's comic book and the way that he approached it, if he might have, if he would have thought about the people like me, who is, I think, a lot of other millennials that I've at least talked to that watched, that came up with DC via cartoons, because DC has always had the best cartoons. Yeah. We grew mm-hmm. up watching a lot of that. When you say cyborg to people of my age and my generation, they think Teen Titans. Teen Titans anything. go, yeah. And mm-hmm. they think about it, the OG Teen Titans that was a little more anime style and Teen Titans go. Uh, if you think about the way Cyborg's depicted there, and you are like, "Oh, Cyborg's going to be in the movie," and then he's brooding, sad boy the whole time, you're like, well, "That." And the irony is, quite line up. Without getting too much into this discourse, because it's really complicated, him being asked or forced to say "booyah" was a sign that he was <laughs> abused by Joss Whedon. <laughs> 
Yes, because like, oh, yeah, he said it, and it was like, I don't like that. That's not how I wanted that to happen. Why like, are you doing? And that? I get it because he signed on to make a very, you know, again, he signed on to make, you know, basically the Seven Samurai, and instead they ended up making something that was probably closer to Batman Forever, with the caveat that not all conflict is abuse, and I believe everything he has said in the media without necessarily feeling that it rises to the level of crimes and misdemeanors. I do understand why he was pissed off that he went from being basically a co-lead in the Justice League movie to being a third string character who gets a number of major, major hero moments in the third act. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I would cut like if I was like cutting down stuff, his origin stuff and whatever, I would leave here. I'd cut Barry Allen stuff down. I would cut. Yes. I would probably cut some Aquaman stuff down. I would leave. I would leave most of his stuff like because it feels like he's our gateway to this justice he league he is yeah. the end the audience surrogate character mm-hmm. and it is frustrating that this isn't the approximation of what we got in theaters because again you know it's it's how do you differentiate justice league from the avengers i don't know and i wrote about this in fucking 2013 just on a whim you center it on the not white guys <laughs> at this time you know back then when i thought John Stewart was going to be Green Lantern because how do you how do you fuck that up? Right. Um, like you know, you said it from the point of view of Wonder Woman and Green Lantern. We already had Hal Jordan, so it would make sense to do John Stewart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And again, you have a generation that grew up on the cartoon. John Stewart is their Green Lantern. Yeah. That's how I know. That's one big reason why Aquaman was a hit because you had an entire generation that already thought Aquaman was pretty cool. Yeah, and well, the, and then you have the problem where everybody already loves a certain Flash on television, as I mentioned, mm-hmm. and you're <laughs> you've got just which, make him Wally West. Problem you, solved. You could have made him Wally West, or you could have tried because you're in such a big movie with such a big cast. You could have been like, let's try to get him in here. Let's maybe try the Gustin thing and see if it can have a tie to our TV shows or something. And, you uh, know, skills, but minority opinion, maybe I don't know. I think Ezra Miller is very good in this film. Yeah, he's not bad. I think he's fine in The Flash, a movie I do not like. No, he's no, he's he's quite good. They are in every single scene of the movie, and it's a fascinating double performance. I don't think they're the problem. Judging on performance and not human being, (laughs) they've always been top tier. There's a reason roles kept getting. If you if you ever saw, we need to talk about Kevin perks of being a wallflower. You know, there's. Yeah, train wreck. Huh. You know, there's a lot of talent. Talk about the stand. No, but, and Fantastic yeah. Beasts is nobody's fault. No. All the cast is innocent, right? So um, I mean, that's that's the thing. Like there was there was talent there, and then all that stuff yeah. comes up, and you're like, what? This guy? Okay, all wow. of it, which mostly didn't start until the pandemic, if I'm not mistaken. If I'm there was mistaken. a, I think there was a. He punched was someone out. Was thing before COVID? I think just shortly before COVID, there was a bar bar incident. Fair. That, yeah. that sort of in put Hawaii, it on the... This, this yeah. wasn't happening in 2014 when it was... You know, again, I always joke that I'm old enough to remember when asking a queer, <clears throat> Jewish, really weird, quirky indie actor as The Flash was damn well progressive. It made sense at the time. Yep. So, so yeah. Um, Justice and, League. And, as far as the movie, you know, on its own, again, I, ironically, my biggest problem with the theatrical cut of Justice League is the the climactic action scene sticks. Oh, the theatrical that yeah, movie yeah. with this film's climax makes eight hundred million dollars. Little more, I, 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 <laughs> a little more Steppenwolf to it. 
Mega bad guy problem. Yeah. Because you you have the climax makes sense. The heroes have a plan that is coherent. You have clear stakes. This it looks nice. You have big, you know, the I love Steve uh Fisher's you know climactic beat where he just you know almost under his breath he says, but I'm not broken and I'm not alone. And that that's the emotional climax of the movie. Yeah. Um and the idea that he's sort of being set up as the next Superman with arguably Batman's, you know, grim, dark sensibility. Mm-hmm. Um, again, that was a wonderful notion. You know, it's, it's, it's a shame. He, you know, Zack Snyder made two really divisive, grim, dark deconstructions before he decided, well, maybe I'll make this one. That's very sincere and empathetic and aspirational. And how was Warner Brothers supposed to know that the third time he would actually do that? <laughs> I actually think in his career, though, that's got to be like all of his movies are kind of that, right? Until yeah. we started getting around to here. Okay. Yeah. Aside from the Isles of Gahul, but you start getting around here. <laughs> like uh, the that's not and all I fucking that. love that movie. Yeah, he, just, he stayed like a dark guy. You think that like if this movie wanted that kind of different emotional beat, but I don't know. He didn't have it easy on this project because it was always going to get compared to the Avengers and it was always going to be how do I make it mm-hmm. the Avengers without making it wildly just a Zack Snyder movie and I think at the end of it all that he did well really well on this one better than I thought it had the right to be better than I thought it was going to be for all the people who were online talking about give us a Zack Snyder cut I was like you guys are fucking crazy or actually bots yeah. and then it comes out and I was like you know what I'll eat them words it's yep. I ate crow Type. Yep. All I needed was it was almost done, except for seventy million dollars in post production work. Right. Yeah. And it is still, I will to this day, it's too damn long. Yeah. I do like it, but like how? How do you just return for a watch? You know, like I have right? a yeah. watch. It's a lazy river movie. I'm gonna spend my entire evening if I can finish it watching it or something. You know, like, I should put it on planes because if I was on my way to L.A., I'm like, yeah. all right, well, that's four hours down. That works. Justice um, League. And it's funny because it, it's, you know, it's basically two movies. The first 111 minutes are basically all the setup and the world building that everybody complained that Warner Brothers never did. But, you know, they go, oh, they rushed into Justice League and they, they didn't do the setup first. And they, it's like, that's the first half of this movie. Yeah. And then the second half is a Justice League adventure. Yeah. And outside of the discourse and the politics and the, the, every, all the crap that happened. It's a pretty solid piece of entertainment, and there's never going to be anything like it ever again. No. Oh, that is for damn sure. That was it. This is like <laughs> when people talk yeah. about the height of like when we're when like film students are studying in the future about like, well, when was the superhero bubble close to popping? And like when the dude made the four hour long superhero <laughs> movie, that was it. That was the peak, and everything has been down since then. It's going to level out to being something normal. You thought it would have been in game, but four hours. On a streaming um, service. The one thing, the one thing I, I comparing the two versions, I do think up into the third act they are very similar, and that's not a criticism. I mean, it's clearly the movie you wanted to make, so of course they would be similar. And I do think the Joss Whedon version is a fat, or the studio version. Because let's be honest, it's not the movie Joss Whedon wanted to make either. You know, I, I don't like calling that the Joss Whedon version because it's the studio cut, but. I think it's a fascinating film school exercise. And how do you take a four hour movie and make it 110 minutes and make it pretty coherent? Yeah. And I think the big changes in certain dialogue scenes, 
ironically make it more of a sequel to Batman v Superman and Wonder Woman than the yeah. Snyder Cut was. Yeah. And it's actually a darker, grimmer, more pessimistic movie than the Snyder Cut. True, true. Um, but yeah, it is what it is. It's there for you right now on Max, or you can buy it on 4K Ultra HD Blu-ray uh, with a bonus feature on it. Pretty cool. How many Blu-rays is that? It is two. Mm. The first four parts are on disc one, and the remainder is on the second disc because it's still too big. <laughs> uh, so anyway, uh, leagues. You know, when you have a league, they're usually filled with squads, right? Yeah. Like the Suicide Squad from 2021. You're a hero to me. You got me confused. Your mission is to infiltrate and destroy Project Starfish. Successfully complete the mission, you get 10 years off your sentence. No problem. I call it Stato the Conqueror. I love your accent. Directed by James Gunn, written by James Gunn, our second one with just one writer, Birds of Prey and The Suicide Squad, starring Margot Robbie, Idris Elba, John Cena, Viola Davis, Joel Kinnaman, Danielle Melchior, 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 David Dashmouthshin, Peter Capaldi, Sylvester Stallone, Storm Reed, Steve Agee, Jennifer Holland, Michael Rooker, Nathan Fillion, Jai Courtney, Flula Berg, Myling Ning, I bad. Oh shit. Uh, Pete Davidson, Sean Gunn, Tanash Kajes, Alice Braga, and Taika Waititi. Supervillains Harley Quinn, Bloodsport, Peacemaker, and a collection of nutty cons at Bell Reeve Prison. Join the super secret, super shady Task Force X as they are dropped off to the, at the remote enemy fused island of Corto Maltese. So, like, the script said Deadshot, and then it's like kind of like erased it. <laughs> rather, rather yeah, than rather than commit the the superhero movie crime of recasting a fucking actor in the same part, that's Deadshot. Or yeah. no, yep. Blood sport. Blood. All due respect, Deadshot is not fucking T'Challa. You could have <laughs> fucking recast it. Right. Yeah. It's Will Smith. Well, you know, it, it, like character's got a daughter. Like it is like the continued story of Deadshot. <laughs> I mean, uh, their powers are also pretty the same. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's the same fucking character. Good with gun can shoot anything. So yeah, but I don't know. I'm not. I'm not deep into the comics like that. They had to be like, we have a backup for. <laughs> Did you? It's like, yeah, of course, it's Bloodsport. Everybody knows that. Did you like the first Suicide Squad, Chris? Uh, we have it as our worst movie so far. Yeah, that one's a bit of a mess, but in the in the fun kind of way, where it's just like, look at this shit show, because it's like edited like a movie, a music video. They've got the needle drops. It's all meh. The dude who is the uh, Latino guy who set shit on fire at the end. It's like, this is what I was meant to do, and it's like all of it's just. Huh. That movie is a jumble in my head, and I've seen it twice, and I know it's just, it's like a bag of Legos. Like, it, there's all parts there, but they, they're not adding up to shit. It's you know, the, the Joker worst. come in it's, and out like four times in that movie. The fact that that film and X-Men Apocalypse didn't destroy Hollywood overnight is kind of a miracle. <laughs> yeah, Apocalypse or Dark Phoenix? 
No, no. Apocalypse. I mean, Dark Phoenix is not good, but Apocalypse no. is worse. Yeah, it's yeah, it's bad. Um, so anyways, thoughts on this version? This movie's awesome. Like, this is this is what I want DC to be. Just be fucking weird as shit. Mm-hmm. Uh over on the YouTube channel right now, we're watching Young Justice for the first time. And so I'm getting a a lot of um like people and things mentioned in Young Justice. I'm like, oh my god, that was in the Suicide Squad, it was in this or that, and like I loved it. This I had already seen the Birds of Prey, not Birds of Prey. Um, no, this has come out after Birds of Prey. Yeah, this yes, is it after. Did. Yeah, yep. so I'd already seen Birds of Prey and like watching Margot Robbie have a good time being Harley Quinn again was super great. Love Idris Elba uh, since The Wire. So like all of that and, and the movie was fun. There's a big giant fucking kaiju star you at the end. Like, <laughs> let's just go. Let's do weird stuff, man. I was uh, Sylvester Stallone. Was it Sylvester Stallone? Yep. as a uh, King Shark. Mm-hmm. Like. Yep. All right, I'm here for that. This is wild. It's weird. The little rat girl had like a cute story. Polka Dot Man was sad and confusing. Like this movie had emotions. They hit you with the bait and switch in the beginning where the whole team dies. It was funny, unexpected. The comedy was great, but the darkness and the seriousness was great too, but in a way that it needed to balance it out. So yeah, like this is it. Like this is what DC should have been. This is what Aquaman yeah. was trying to do. It was trying to hit that balance of super kitschy, super funny, super bright with all this dark stuff too and being able to like dance that and James Gunn just like kind of finessed it. Yeah. This is the type of movie where I'm like, this is what I want from DC. This is where you could be not Marvel. And like Kevin Feige would lose his shit. If something, if Gunn turned this into him, like there's that entire scene where they take out the freedom fighters. (laughs) And they have that reveal. Yeah. And and come upon Rick flag. He's like, Oh, Hey guys, what's going on? Like what? And, I, the look on Cena and Elba's faces where they're like, oh, shh. Right? <laughs> well, and it's that's so just dark. So, so funny. Oh, and it's so dark. And you've got this, you've got Cena, Cena, like, he's really good at comedy, but which is obvious now. Everybody knows that. But like this, putting him in this ridiculous role and call it, like calling it out for being ridiculous by just letting him play out rather than pointing it out. Yeah. Uh, all the time and having Cena just be committed to the role. Um, he plays it straight. There's no, there's no winks, no nods. It is. He's very mm-hmm. much that character. And like, they does, he is a joke, but like, he's not making a joke of it. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Picking the weirdest fucking characters to put in this thing. Like, brilliant because no one's gonna have an expectation for any like i doubt some people were like oh yeah they didn't do peacemaker would who fucking do peace like right uh, it, our world's full of a bunch of fucking like i talked about this last time but I, I maybe but like people who think they need to be fans of everything and then they hear about peacemaker so they go read wikipedia about we- yeah. wi- peacemaker like oh i know all about peacemaker like oh they didn't do them right because they're like no you didn't fucking no one cared about peacemaker um, oh, I just had to look up Bloodsport to see if that was even a real character. So right. yes, no, like, put, yeah, that's it. Like yeah, yeah. Put in I mean, the most wildest shit you can get. Yeah, they've got this nice sidebar for Holly, Harley Quinn to have like her own story. She's doing great. Um, this movie's big. It's got IMAX cameras and stuff again. Uh, just colorful, like, and the action's fun. Like I. Like when Rick Flag dies, like I felt that, and I would have yeah. never thought that off a character. And I hated Rick Flag from the first one. Like I love Joel Kinnaman, and like I've said before, like he's in a lot of bad mo- or mediocre movies, but it's never because of him. Yeah, um, he's not the he's never the issue. The guy just can't catch a freaking break. And then this is his best one, and nobody and goes to see it. 
And the caveat, I hate Rick Flag only because his name is Rick fucking Flag. And I was like, like from the suicide, the other movie, I was like, yeah. what a name. Come on, y'all. Like for real. But then he dies at the end of this. It's all heart. You feel that. Yeah. And even with Harley Quinn thing with her being like, I don't need another man. It was like, great. I thought they were going to wallow in that. And that was going to be a whole thing forever. Cut it short. Yep. Like, we've already treaded these waters. We're done. She's going to move on. I was like, oh, the movie's like cool like all right yeah Yeah, this movie just bounces too it's got good pace it's got you know weird thought out actually like that kaiju shit at the end like this is just the movie that marvel just could never make and this is what like i talked about birds of prey you had it with that like they could never make that one um and here we are again and it's just too much too late yeah scott well the the problem is the suicide squad got what i like to call tomb raider trapped if they made a third one, would it be a Suicide Squad? <laughs> well, yeah, calling it the Suicide Squad instead of just Suicide Squad Two didn't help. What, but, what, what, they, it felt like, yeah, they were like, this is a different one, but then like you started seeing the casting for it, be like, they're making like, a sequel. Like, like, this is a fucking sequel. Everybody's back. R.I.P. Captain Boomerang. Yeah, <laughs> I you know I enjoy this one quite a bit. I've seen it twice. Um, I do think after the first 20 minutes or so, it settles into a structure that isn't that different from the last Suicide Squad film. This is a better film for a number of ways where they're walking around, you know, randomly shooting at zombies, but aren't really zombies. And you're not supposed to think about how they're, you know, people that got you know hypnotized or whatever. But this is that done well. It, everything else is fine. Oh, they're going to like bars. They're going to their driving. Yeah, they go, yeah, they go into actual location work. Spending, and they have character yeah. interactions that actually work. Then Harley Quinn gets her own little, you know, Terminator action sequence. That's a lot of fun. But yeah, I mean, the first 20 minutes are like so platonic ideal of what you want from the Suicide Squad as a concept that the rest of the movie, while very good, cannot live up. And that's not yeah. the film's fault. It's just such a kick-ass curtain raiser sequence. And because after that point, to a certain extent, the characters that you expect to live, live. The characters you expect to die, die. And so forth and so forth. You care about Polka Dot Man. You never see that coming. Yeah. Oh, and the mom, um, the mom gag with Polka Dot Man is great. Yeah, too. that was good. That's good stuff. Um, and then both credit sequences walk back to the more interesting, that's, you know, two of the more, you know, surprising deaths, which pissed me off because I'm sick of movies walking back deaths in the post credit scenes. And yes, I know one of them led to a television series, but <laughs> you know, it still pissed me off on principle because you want to you know, weasel fucking dead. That's yeah. You know, let let that play out as tragic as it is. Um, but anyway, the 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 production value is spectacular, the kaiju stuff is terrific, the cast is having a blast. Um, Amanda Waller is really funny in this film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's weird because she's she's obviously been demoted in terms of her authority, and she kind of has to overcompensate for the idea that she's still a person of power and influence, even though she's not this time. It's because she keeps fucking up with her exactly. bad ideas. Of yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. It makes next, and they keep. But because she has to fake it, it's even funnier. Well, and they have the office culture they add to it there too, yes. which is which, which is, is fun. Oh yeah, that's yeah. terrific. <laughs> yeah. Because um, I, I I you know I I always love applying the mundane and the minutiae to spectacular situations. Yes. That is an easy way to make me laugh. That's why I love Teen Titans Go. That's why I love my favorite episode of Powerpuff Girls is just another Magic Mojo. So I like this movie quite a bit, but commercially, it was always going to flop. Because why did the Suicide Squad hit in 2016? 
It was a PG-13 movie with the first appearance of Harley Quinn. It had Will Smith in a starring role. It had a Batman cameo and a major supporting role for the Joker. This film, a five years later follow-up to a film that most people didn't like. No Joker, no Batman. As unfortunately we saw with Birds of Prey, Harley Quinn is not a marquee character. And no Will Smith. And as we saw with Men in Black International and Independence Day Resurgence, if you make a sequel to a Will Smith hit without Will Smith, you die. One of the last movie stars still, yeah. surprisingly. Yeah. Um, he was the biggest movie star from like 2002 to 2012. And just putting James Gunn's name above a title like they were doing, apparently Again, that, that does not mean anything to people anybody. People showed up to, to Guardians of the Galaxy because it was Marvel, not because it was James Gunn. Yeah. Which and, it sucks because these were the movies that they should have been making yes. earlier, which you mm-hmm. can't do anything about. Yes. It. And then, and that's the what the Tomb Raider trap seen. is, where you make a piece of garbage that does well because of the hype and the the awareness and the interest, and then you make a superior sequel, but nobody shows up because once bitten, twice shy. Yeah, well, and you know what's funny is that the first Suicide Squad movie was restructured because of James in reaction to yeah. a James Gunn film, and then he comes yeah. over to DC. Gets to pick what he wants to do. Does the Suicide Squad, like, and it this is subtext made text. Yeah. Um. But no, I mean it's it's, and my only grouchiness is that Hattie Jenkins releases a movie in the in the darkest points of COVID. It gets decent reviews, makes one hundred sixty eight million dollars. Wonder Woman three gets canceled. James Gunn releases the Suicide Squad, both of which cost around two hundred million dollars. Uh in a point of COVID where there are vaccines available, it makes $168 million. He gets the keys of the DC kingdom. I don't want to say white male privilege, but white male privilege. Yeah. Yeah. And I, from what I, you know, I am concerned that a generally audiences aren't going to give a shit that this is another DC universe just because James Gunn is behind it. And frankly, I will be very interested to see what the racial makeup of these casts are, because you've already had a franchise that's been dinged for being transgressive and too much of a deconstruction. And I'll be very curious to the extent that this tries to course correct by being very traditional and very traditional means lots of white guys. We'll see. We shall see. I mean, they had a shark guy this time. Hopefully they can keep it weird. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, well, it's funny that, you know, he starts the Superman stuff up, and it's like, oh, cool, we'll get a Superman, oh, and, the, and it's got the Green Lantern in it, and it's got this guy in it, and this guy, I'm like, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> all right, but I will wait and see. I tend to like James Gunn's movies. Yeah, I mean, so, Guardians 3 is spectacular. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. He has my benefit, you know, artistically, I, have, I assume it will be a good movie. Yeah. Commercially, it's been 41 years since the last successful Superman movie. Right. <laughs> yeah very true and who's like it feels it feels so weird that dc's doubling down at this time like you're gonna have to rescue superhero movies with this you know like it's not just like oh you made a good one made some money like you really like you have to resuscitate the, the entire genre and that's the tragedy of wonder woman 1984 because in 2017, Wonder Woman 81 had to prove that girls weren't box office poison and prove that girls could would show up to superhero movies and women could direct superhero movies. And then three years later, Wonder Woman 84 has to save fucking movie theaters yep, and gets yep. penalized because it didn't save fucking movie theaters. Just like the Marvels, which three-star movie, warts and all, 
is now responsible for saving Marvel Studios after 25 fucking movies starring white guys named Chris. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And, and I would argue the Marvels paid for the sins of Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Oh, because that movie more Love and Thunder role. being lousy and Secret Invasion being shitty and all of this shit, you know, and I genuinely think if the Marvels comes out in February instead of Ant-Man and the Wasp, I think it does Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania numbers. Now yeah. that's still, you know, 500 million, but that's a hell of a lot different than making Morbius money. <laughs> mo, mo, mo money. Mo Mobius. Mo Mobius. All right. Mo- Morbius. <laughs> so we're going to, we're going to, we're going to switch back to Max, which actually all, every single, this is the Max episode because Wonder Woman yeah. was on Max. That, yeah. So we'll keep on the Max train with Peacemaker from 2022. This task force doesn't officially exist. So don't do anything stupid. No problem. Seriously, dude. We're saving the world with everything we've ever wanted. Two clowns in costumes and a couple of rejects. It's a little judgmental. Every time we turn around, one of you is doing something stupid. It's like a real team out there. Which was six episodes of which directed by James Gunn. Uh, the rest, uh, Brad Anderson, Jody Hill, Rosemary Rodriguez, uh, there. Uh, written, whole thing written by James Gunn, starring John Cena, Danielle Brooks, Jennifer Holland, Freddie Stroma, Steve Agee, uh, Chuck Woody, Awuji, Annie Chang, Lachlan Monroe, Elizabeth F- Fath Ludlow, Rochelle Greenwood, Viola Davis, Jason Momoa, Ezra Miller, and Robert Patrick. Which the previous two cameos were cameos. Uh, Picking up with the Suicide Squad left off. Peacemaker returns home after recovering from his encounter with Bloodsport, only discover that his freedom comes at a price. All right, Um, we all know this has a the opening credits jam that took the world by storm. Yes, Um, people loved that. Could not get enough of it. So, Chris, where were you at with Peacemaker? Um, I was super hesitant. I was like, I don't know about this. And then I think like three episodes in, all my friends like, you got to watch it. And I was like, all right, I'll watch it. And then thoroughly blown away um, was Peacemaker's real name, Christopher Smith. More Chris's. Very confusing. (laughs) I like. Uh, But thought it was funny as shit. Thought it was good. I thought the commentary was good as well. Um, Like. Peacemaker's dad be like, all right, cool. If superheroes exist in America, then yes, one of them is hella racist. In fact, <laughs> I would rager more than one of them. And like with uh, Chris being an asshole and like that being his whole thing and then finding out that his dad is a fucking grand dragon actually is like, oh, that's wild. And like, yeah, that kind of tracks. I get that. And they going in and then, um, uh oh man what was uh old girl's name i forgot the one character's name um viola davis's uh oh waller's daughter yeah adiamo uh leota was her first name i remember that much but her and having mom issues chris having dad issues all that family shit super cool stuff to be dealing with and then hey there's butterflies inside of people in a giant space cow it's like all right we're back onto the hey dc it's what you could be. You could be rated R and you could be weird as shit and you could actually have something to say and something to do and people would be cool with that. And the music can be all fucking glam rock. 
that I haven't heard most of any of those songs. Like they weren't even like big popular songs. I James like Gunn knows how to pick songs. Like people, yeah. he's up there. He's, he's built to be like Scorsese and Tarantino with knowing where to put a song. And I just thought it was good. I thought that um, Peacemaker's whole being a super asshole to people like um, Economos or whatever, like being an asshole to him and then like lightening up eventually and letting people in like did a really good job. And yeah. it was fun. And Peacemaker fucked a bunch because he's a superhero who has a problem and he looks like John Cena. So that makes sense too. Like he's got a pet eagle named Eagly. Like that's <laughs> hilarious. Like it was it was a fun fucking movie or movie TV show. Weird as shit. And and even the butterfly thing was like, oh, they recognize what humans are doing on their planet is the same thing they did on their planet. They're trying to stop them. And it's like, oh, that's a big conundrum. What do you do? Do you, do you kill them? Do you help them? What do you do? Like, that's really deconstructing a character whose name is peacemaker who his whole thing is that he'll do anything for peace like that's dumb as fuck and they really took that and ran with it it was great it's good good show scott oh i enjoyed it uh i watched it when it initially aired uh it took me a couple episodes to really get into it i think the back half is stronger than the second half or the first half um i do think they mostly avoided certain traps in terms of let's regime this vicious nationalistic racist jackass because gee whiz he cries and has feelings in fact if anything they kind of deal with that right up front at the beginning of the show with the conversation he has with i think a janitor or something about like where'd you know i'm racist i'm i'm an asshole but i'm not my father's racist i'm not racist (laughs) yeah and i think this is the kind of work that, that that's very well suited to cena in that he's a big blustery guy that is can be a very subtle actor when he wants to be. Mm-hmm. And I thought the supporting cast was enjoyable. And yeah, I mean, I don't have that much to add other than what's already been said. It's a pretty straightforward streaming show. Um, I appreciate that it's mostly one and done. And yes, it's not like the world ends, so there could be a season two, but it doesn't end on this giant cliffhanger. I appreciate that they do kill off major characters because even though it's a TV show, you can't just have everybody survive at the end, which I think has been a problem with, especially, you know, not exclusively, but also super heroic television in recent years. I mean, I was stupid enough to think of the, you know, back in the first season, the flash when Harrison Wells disappeared through the timeline. Cause the one guy shot himself that he was actually dead. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, that's the end of him. Neat. As much as I enjoyed the work that Tom Cavanaugh uh, did, in the intervening seasons, that's still a character that by all rights should have been dead after season one. Uh, the Arrowverse is filled with characters like that. But anyway, um, so yeah, it's 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 a solid spinoff. It is it feels like a television show more than a, you know an eight hour movie, which is nice. Each episode is a beginning, middle, and end, which isn't the kind of thing you used to take you know the kind of thing you used to take for granted in the old days. Right? Yeah. Even something like Twenty Four. Every episode of 24 was a complete narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they were very, you know, or lost. You know, every episode of Lost had a beginning, middle, and end of that episode. You know, during that time, you know what for me was the hardest show to follow if I wasn't paying rigorous attention? It wasn't Lost or 24 or Alias. It was Arrested Development. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not a yeah. criticism. Yeah. But that's a show that would expect you to remember a joke from like five episodes ago. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, it's a solid show. Uh, we still really don't know if anyone actually watched it. 
Right. Which I think is funny because it was sort of used as a de facto excuse for it's okay. The suicide squad flopped because we got peacemaker out of it. And that's a hit for HBO max. A, we don't know that. And B, and this goes in the whole, you know, problem with putting all your eggs in the streaming basket over the last three years. What content is on your streaming service does not remove the needle in terms of your overall subscription count and thus makes no damn difference to your stock price. Right. So all of the damage that was done to theatrical was for nothing. Yeah. Uh, Well, Chris. Oh, yeah. I was just going to add that um, for us, uh, Peacemaker does well on like uh, our YouTube because we're we're doing reactions to it. And a lot of the other reactors are getting pretty decent numbers on Peacemaker. So people like it. That doesn't tell us if people watched it, but I will say people like it or they wouldn't be watching us watch it. So. Yeah, they're into I, it. I, I liked it as well. Um, I was hesitant going in because I'm like, oh, they're just milking the fact they have Cena on contract and they won't be doing another Suicide Squad movie. Uh, and then I was happily surprised. This looks like James Gunn revisiting his movie Super and di- realizing mm. it in a different way um, because there's a whole ridiculousness of just him in any scenario in the real world and then adding Vigilante. Very reminiscent of uh, Elliot Page. Uh, yeah. the, oh, sorry, the other one. Yeah, well, yeah, of Elliot Page's character being around, and yeah, Vigilante was funny as hell. Um, kind of being his old, like they do a for this really goofy cartoonish character. They do a hell of a job giving him this arc and seeing like his past, his father, Vigilante, what he wants, and making it human but not like changing him at all you know like not changing the yeah. character or anything like that it's that's really hard to do uh but it's funny seeing him going to like the restaurant and is that they're like is he always wearing that like uh and just being in broad daylight and the wood and like all the natural settings um it's got a it's got a pretty decent enough mystery and good builds and like scott said three act structure in every episode that's great yeah. um I think the finale's action scene delivered. Like one of the cool yeah. things that people just like with superhero movies. You'll see he's got. They start outside in the cars parked away and work their way all the way to the barn. And it's not like a one shot thing. You're just watching this action develop, and it's actually traveling and going somewhere. It's not just defense or just. There, yeah, or there big open battlefield type stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's traveling inside the barn, below the bar, like, and it's really. Really effective, uh, pretty cool stuff. And uh, I mean, there's some solid action throughout, and some funny, funny things. And the, the you know, the music, uh, man, out is out of place. And it kind of, for some reason, because it's Cena and going with wrestling, and knowing back then, you know, like the old school wrestlers probably were jamming to this shit. Yeah. Uh, back in the '80s and stuff, it just adds another layer of fun to it. But. Um, yeah, this is a, this is a really fun show. I've, I've gone through it twice now full and, um, not bad. I don't think it's like the most amazing thing in the world, but again, this is DC doing what DC could do. And this, I, I think there's more enjoyable, there's a more enjoyable nature to what DC is doing here with Peacemaker and rewatchability and then the, any of the Netflix defenders programming that Oof. came out. Um, yeah, I, I, and I did like some of that, but. <clears throat> There's a there's something to Peacemaker that's like they're doing things that those shows want to, but relaxing while they're doing it. You know, there's not a well. There's also tense. fewer episodes, so for better or worse, yeah. there's less padding. 
and that's th- one of the problems with streaming television. Isn't yeah, that? and as Scott mentioned, a three act structure in every episode. Yes, yes. <laughs> with defenders with- wanted you to watch all of it and then remember and connect it through. I do like how Peacemaker did a good job at like Peacemaker's a super jingoistic dude who's like mm-hmm. hella patriotic and all that. But I like how like white trashy he could be at times. Like oh yeah, the diner, the bar, like you want out back and shoot shit it's like yeah that's the kind of guy that would be a vigilante is a guy who's out back in the woods shooting shit who has his hero fantasy and now his best friends are here i'm a hero too and he's like vigil supposed to be and like i like that because it's like yes like anybody who's like oh i wish i was batman you're not a billionaire you're not batman you're right. vigilante like that's that's who you are that's who, anybody who wants to put on a costume you're probably in the woods who's smashing shit with the crowbar and shooting his dad's gun like you're that guy before you're batman any day of the week and I like that you got to hang out with him and see him. And then they didn't even make him a joke or a villain the whole time. It's like, oh, no, he's a little bit of heart in there. And, like, that's impressive to get people to want to stick around with the character who's that fucked up. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a, it's all around. And you get the 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 squad from the squad from Suicide Squad. The, the <laughs> man, Amanda Waller's crew from that over to here. Um, yeah, and it's just – it works. And it doesn't sit and it gets – through a lot of the, we're in a shared world superhero thing real fast at the that janitor scene talking about Aquaman fucking fish or whatever. Uh, okay. And I'm, I'm sure like, that'll come up in Aquaman the Lost Kingdom. Yeah, sure. Well, yeah, I'll be there. Uh, but yeah, it's, and then they have that nice little Justice League cameo at the end that, you know, he's all pissed it's at funny. like, yeah, he wouldn't work with them. <laughs> you know, like that's, it doesn't, doesn't happen. But no, it's just a, this is a good, a good show. I did, yeah, I was not against it, but I was not like, yeah, I'm not thinking it was going to be much, and it turned out to be a lot more than I thought it would be. It had it's better than it had the right to be. Mm-hmm. I do like uh, Danielle Brooks too being in it because I really liked her in Orange Is the New Black, and I felt like she was a good actress in Orange Is the New Black, but started towards the end really putting it on. It was like, oh shit, you got some fucking acting chops. Let's go, and then actually having a once again like character arc and having some depth here like all the characters kind of did where that's mm-hmm. not it's not needed you didn't need to do that but there it is and it's happening it's like oh shit this is good like even with economos being like why are you always making fun of me and calling me die beard and he's like well just giving you shit into like you and it's like oh like none of these characters they, they could have all been one-dimensional and it probably would have been fine right but they gave them depth mm-hmm. and they gave them that and it kind of makes the story hit harder even with the golf butterfly sticking around all the way to the end, like, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting that a show or a character as dumb as fucking Peacemaker can be like, oh, this is weirdly heartwarming at times. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, it's the kind of thing that I think, well, I know it came out then, like, I don't know, it could be considered woke in some ways, but why are they putting this on them? It's not that. It's just doing a good job with a character, not making him a full-on asshole, but making him a reasonable asshole without having to be like, oh, well, this or that or anything else. And that's all. It was fun. It was a no, fun like, he's show. true to himself. He learns, but is true to himself, and everybody's honest with each other. And they all go... They, it's funny. They all are slowly working through themselves, <clears throat> but learning each other to become a group themselves at some yeah. point, too. That, that When you get to that final battle, they have been through not just the, the physical journey to get there. There's been an emotional... And not overly bearing emotional one, just the getting to know people and understand what they value, every single one of them. And so they all know each other's values before they head into that last last battle, yeah. which is very cool. So, and there's a gorilla chainsaw murder that, you know. Yes. 
And the Always dove a plus. of peace on the gun. Good shit. <laughs> Good shit. And eagerly. Uh, the dumbest thing that was awesome. <laughs> so, all right. Well, we have uh, wrapped up another one. We're three three quarters through this. One more to go. Um, but this was a pretty all right episode. Last one was the highs. This one, respect for the, for the movie, everything here, <laughs> yeah. I think. I mean, um, I think I like, by default, I like Wonder Woman 84 more than, more than the both of you. Yeah. But it's not a masterpiece, but again, <laughs> so for me, they're all solid three-star projects. Yeah, they're all, yeah, they're all pretty good through, straight, th- straight through. Um, but yeah, like, so like this, this notion that DC's just bad and everything they're doing is awful. It's like, from all of our episodes, so we're th- three quarters of the way through here now, and I feel like as a, blown out of proportions notion um well we still have the one episode (laughs) left but at this point people are saying those things and i feel like it is just like i'm like it's not marvel and that's okay (laughs) the problem was by allow by allowing the snyder cut to be made you brought all of that back into the discourse and four years removed give or take you had people that you know, I know full well in 2016, we're saying Batman v Superman is terrible. Warner Brothers needs to do something. Now they're writing editorials saying Marvel is dumb. The Snyderverse is what we need right now. It's not. There's other things. Yep. There's other yeah. than the two things. There's so yes. many things. Um, yep. So it's like there was this giant bit of temporary amnesia that the discourse became how the heartless, horrible Warner Brothers threw Zack Snyder off of his movie, even though he was successful up to that point and brought in Joss Whedon, who apparently revealed as a serial jackass, um, (laughs) as if they knew that going in, and as if somehow Marvel didn't rescue his career from total oblivion after Angel. I mean, at some point, Marvel, you know, to the extent that that matters, and we can argue to the extent that it does, Marvel does need to answer for bringing Joss Whedon out of oblivion and putting him back on the top of the pop culture mountain because they are single-handedly responsible for that. Yeah. And because he wasn't exactly drowning in work after, you know, Firefly was canceled, Dollhouse was canceled. Drive. Drive. I Remember that one? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And again. Oh, no, wait. Was that? No, that was Nathan Fillion. Uh, I think. Oh, right, right. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if he had Um, something to do with that or not, but. And again, you know, I will believe that Marvel didn't know that he was a jackass on the set of Buffy. I will believe that Warner Brothers didn't know that he was a jackass on the set of Buffy. But somehow this all got tangled that like Warner Brothers, like terrible analogy here. So please forgive me. But like Warner Brothers were treated like the people that like knowingly took a pedophile priest and sent him to a different church. (laughs) Yeah. It just the discourse around that basically destroyed any and all goodwill that DC had accumulated in the, in the Walter Hamada era. And then Hamada got like somehow absorbed into the narrative, even though he wasn't there during justice league, he was brought in after justice league specifically because justice league was a clusterfuck. And it just, I know I shouldn't care. And if I wasn't in the media, I probably wouldn't, but it drove me nuts how that transpired because it was like, it was almost like we were being gaslit. Hmm. It's like, it was like, no, no, I was there. Batman V Superman was very poorly received. It was seen as a disaster and Aquaman and Shazam and Joker 
and you know were successful money making smash hits. Don't pretend they weren't. Yeah, but whatever. Ah, uh, but before we, I just wanted to say that it reminds me of uh, like TV, where like the second season is when uh, a show really kind of finds its footing, and it kind of felt like DC was about to get into its second season, really. Yeah. Towards the end of that first season, they had a couple of those hits, and they're like, "All right, second season. I think we know what we're doing. Done." <laughs> no then in the middle of their second season, just like <laughs> Heroes, whoops, strike. Uh, <laughs> oh, sorry about that. Looks. Like to be fair, TV the second season of Heroes was terrible beforehand. Yeah, but I digress. <laughs> right, right, right. All right. Um, well, the hierarchy is about to change, though, for our next episode. So, oh, uh, Chris, thank you for joining us here. Thanks, uh, this, yeah, no problem. Uh, what do you and the normies have coming up, and where all can people keep up with everything Ooh. you're doing? You guys can find us over on YouTube at the Normies Group, or if you just type up the Normies, you'll find us. It's a big old in. Uh, it's a bunch of people sitting on a couch. We do reactions. We do them ethically. We're sticking to the... Um, to the law because we're not going to show you the whole episode or something. We're only going to watch cool parts and talk about the parts we like. And that's how we do things right now. We are going through all of young justice, which is surprisingly good, like much better than it really has the right to be. DC has lived in these cartoons for so long. That's where they've been doing their shit at. Everybody's talking oh, about the movies. Young oh, wait, justice is crazy. The now. animated young justice show. Yeah, we're on the third Where season right now. Where have you right been now. the last decade? It was great. That's what I, well, you know, I just missed out on it completely. And I was like, all right. This I was is there when it got canceled. Everybody cried. We just got to season three when it got back from being yeah. canceled. And I was like, oh, shit, they've updated things. It's been so that's where we're at. We do uh, Star Wars. We're doing um, a lot of cool shit right now. So you can go over there and you can see our opinions and watch us. We also have a movie club podcast where we are doing a little bit of the old media literacy and watching movies. All because of one of our friends on the YouTube channel. He watched um, American Psycho and he didn't like it or get it. And then I was like, man, we should watch movies on the podcast so I can teach you how to watch a fucking movie, bro. And that's where we're at. So come right. through, check us out. Sweet. And Scott? Um, I am at Puck News on a weekly basis. And I have recently started my own Substack called uh, The Outside Scoop which is basically an attempt to go back to what I used to be really good at at Forbes during the good times. Um, for now, there is no paywall. Eventually there will be. I hope some of you will pay up. If not, then I guess I'm going to have to do more clickbait. There you go. And uh, this week, that scoop is Cherry Garcia. That is the, the outside scoop this week. Um, all right. And I'm on the socials at Brandon4KUHD. You can find all things live podcast, Deja Podcast Awards, as well as information on the coolest convention on the planet, PopCon at PopCon.us. That's where Chris hangs out, too. Uh, and next time, uh, Scott and I close the retrospective portion of this series with guest Aaron Newerth as we, <laughs> we do Black Adam. Shazam! Fury of the Gods! The Flash and Blue Beetle. So uh, stay film positive as I'm sure they're going to try. Thank you for listening. The Brandon Peters Show is a Creative Zombie Studios production. Produced by Brad Shoemaker and Brandon Peters. Written and edited by Brandon Peters. Announcer vocals by Jessica Olsman. Theme song by Metavari. Web design and show art by Brad Shoemaker with Brandon Peters. 
All music and clips featured in the episode are property of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. Additional information on this and other episodes at brandonpetershow.com. For any inquiries, press opportunities, or sponsorship, contact mail at brandonpetershow.com. The show is available on Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are found.